Welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today, we are continuing our discussions of Avatar The Last Airbender, going on a secret tunnel to reach episodes three and four. I got to say, folks, this feels... Some things are still changed. Some things are different. This feels to me much more like the original Avatar. And especially with the end of the last episode, episode four, it felt to me like they kind of said... We know what the point of the original was. We're changing it a bit, but we are still keeping to, you know, like we'd all been talking about, like, does the show understand the childlikeness of, of Aang? And they kind of quite literally did that at the end of episode four. So it's still not exactly the show I would have wanted, but I, I'm feeling a lot more like this is now a show that I want to do that I want to see. Uh, I have Ricky and Paul with us. What do you guys think? Well, my Iro stocks are going up. <laughs> my my ang stocks are going down i think mm. i um i partially feel the way you do matthew i mean i enjoyed the third and fourth episodes more than the first one yeah you know episode three did start with like a oh by the way ozai is as awful as sozin and we need to graphically show you on screen yeah, by that. eliminating ben wong's character uh, faster than American born Chinese got canceled. Uh, but it's it. I agree that that thing at the end, you know, where uh-huh. Aang's kind of like, is, is that such a bad thing, you know, to like, maybe you can count on your friends. Maybe you can see the world like a kid, like maybe that's okay. Maybe that's actually the way to move forward. Um, and some of the whimsy and the, you know, secret tunnel, like we, I, I did not think, especially after the darkness would, of that yeah, first yeah. episode, I didn't think we, I didn't think we were going to get it, and I didn't think we'd get it in a way that felt true to the story instead of feeling like it was just smashed in for fan service. And yeah, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great to have it. Yeah, that was definitely. <laughs> I, I kind of perked up there, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I do feel like they were trying to cram four or five stories together into one. Yes. Yep. You know, and I, I, I just don't. I believe it was literally four episodes. Yeah, four yeah, arcs, easily. really easily. I mean, because I mean, they're already putting you know Azula and Ozai on screen, and and Ty Lee and May, and like you know, it's like I feel like they're trying to do a lot. Like it reminds me of the DCEU a little bit. Yeah. And the kind of like, just kind of just, it feels like rushing, you know, it just feels yeah. like they're, they're rushing. Um, yeah. But I did feel like there was more of the whimsy. There was more of the stuff I liked. I did enjoy Iroh a lot. I also feel like they're rushing with Zuko in mm-hmm. terms of like having him kind of, you know, have that critical moment where he goes to help Iroh instead of chasing after. Aang. Yeah. That felt way too fast. It, yeah. It just feels too soon to me. Um, it also feels like they're really trying to make sure that like, we know that like not everybody, you know, not all firebenders, you know, right. And that like the earth kingdom also has, is doing bad stuff too. And that, mm-hmm. you know, a war is horrible and it just feels like they're trying to do a lot. And I thought they got some of it. You know, yeah. which which for me was better than the first episode for sure. The second episode, third and fourth, all felt like um, 
you know, kind of of a similar level of quality to me in terms of like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, like I'm I'm into it now. I don't love it, but the performance is still lots of great performances. Agreed. Um, and I I think that they knew that we were going to do two episodes at a time because the third and fourth episodes felt you know paired. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean it was the Oma- it was the Omashu arc. Yeah, but in Omashu is the Jet arc and is the Teo the and me- Sai arc. Yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. And the secret tunnel. Yeah. 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 So it's a lot. Let me give what is at least my understanding of the mission statement of this show. As I think it was expressed, you guys tell me if this, you, you, you agree with this or you like it, or you think it's different. We talked before about a lot about how like Aang being a child, you know, that, that part of it's that he like, he hasn't learned the things that all the adults have learned and that that's a good thing, you know? And then as we'll especially come up towards the end of the third season, for me in this episode especially, I got the sense that they're doing something similar but a little different to that, which is that this it's saying that everyone in this world has experienced a hundred years of war or you know has experienced war for their entire for lives, lives. Yeah. which is part of a hundred they're experiencing a world that's been at war for a hundred years. yeah and because of that, everyone is cynical and everyone is beaten down and everyone is doing the best they can for them and theirs because they can't think about broader pictures, whether that's you're taking care of your son or taking care of your city or whatever it is. And then along comes this guy who literally hasn't lived through the last hundred years. And so because of that, hasn't had all of that trauma and all the bad things that has gone, happened to everyone else for the last hundred years and so he's able to kind of be the hope. He's able to be the one who's like, maybe we don't have to kill our enemies. Maybe we don't have to only look out for our own. Um, which, which, which feels similar to the to the original, but somewhat different. But in a way that to me feels at least like, I at least now better. I, I at least now think I that. Sorry, that again. I at least now think that the creators have a clearer understanding of the original than they thought they did from episodes one and two. And that they're intentionally changing it somewhat, but in a way that feels a lot more respectful. That's a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, they keep repeating the hundred years thing. Right. So specifically, like characters repeating it to Aang, like you weren't here, like Boomy, just over and over. You weren't here, like I've lived for the last hundred years. You've missed it all. And it feels a little like bashing over the head to me That's that they're fair. trying to drive this home to the audience and to Aang, the character. And, and in terms of the hope, like I agree, like hope is the message. People keep talking about hope, like our hope is return. I think the Kyoshi um, mayor said something about hope, like we now have hope mm-hmm. again or something like that. But the problem I have with that message or like what you were saying about it, Matthew, is that the character of Aang, like his personality seems to be less of the driving force than just the fact that he's the avatar, that he's the chosen one. Like people are, their hope is being restored because the avatar is back. It's the message that I'm getting. And it doesn't, right. it doesn't seem to matter so much that it's Aang or like the things that he does matters, right? Like I think Teo says something about like now we can fight back because the avatar is back. Right. Well, I think that's very true. I guess I think to me, that's part of what he, the cycle he's breaking of 
everyone's looking to him as, okay, you're the warrior. You're going to help us kill all the, whereas he's, he's really trying to break out, you know, in some ways him and Iroh having the same idea of like, all of us are, are, are trapped as soldiers in the cycle that he isn't a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, okay. I, I didn't like that scene. The Iroh and um, Aang. I I had some issues with it. Oh. Well, let me just hear Paul on my kind of overall thought and then let's start going on the into individual characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't see it totally, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't say like I vehemently disagree. I'm like, literally my reaction was gonna be, eh, like, yeah, that's maybe, fair. you know, maybe. I don't know. Like, I need to see more, you know? Yeah. I need to see more. I, I do feel like, I'm certain that the showrunner and the the writer's room and producers behind the scenes and whatever have an idea of what they want to do with the series. Yeah. Um, And I feel like a lot of that idea is pretty clear because they constantly have characters saying things that are super on the nose Mm -hmm. to express a lot of that. You know, I feel like it, I feel like I'm not getting that from the characters. I feel like the characters are telling me that. Right. You know, in a in a very in a way that, you know, sometimes you can do that in animation in a way that just it feels different out of a human mouth, like a physical person because I'm like I I feel like I'm just tripped up by like I feel like those aren't the ways that people use words yeah. when they're talking to other people, you know, and that it, it, a lot of it feels very heavy handed in terms of like the gist of it, the point of it, like I can dig it, you know, and, yeah. and, and I can see where it's going. Um, I'm curious to hear like what, what, Oh, also just like very quick thing. Like, yay. Ang's a vegetarian. They didn't mess that up. You know? I was so nervous during that scene. And I was like, this is either going to make Paul happier <laughs> or it's going to be me and Riki for the rest of this. Yeah. This yeah, show. yeah. I, I, you know, and, and like, you know, they finally get the little pit. I feel like the cabbages thing was like the kind of fan service sort of like, we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of tease you by not sailing, saying hello there, uh-huh. you know, but like, and then finally we're going to pay that off. But like, but then they went like full on con. Right. Right. My yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It was a lot. It was a lot. Just like the overhead shot with the camera retreating into the sky. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Maybe so happy. I I wonder how that feels to someone who hasn't seen the original. Oh, they don't like, they don't get it at all. Like, right? why yeah. is this guy so upset about his cabbages? <laughs> like, and that, that's like the definition of fan service, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It rewards you for knowing the material. Yes, yeah, yeah. There was definitely a bunch of that. There was definitely a bunch of that. And I, and I hear what both of you are saying, and I think I you know there, I could be very well wrong or just trying to hyper focus. And I will say, Riki. I feel like this episode should be the culmination of the frustration and anger that people have towards him because he was theoretically gone for a hundred years. Like, Mm. I I feel like we're going to get it again though. Like he's going to go to the Northern water tribe and they're, they're going to say like, we've been at war for a hundred years. Where were you avatar? Like I, I don't know. I, I hope not, but you could maybe be right. it's the fact that it is condensed, right? Like a twenty episode mm. season is being condensed into eight, mm. and they're like smushing these storylines. Mm. So, without you know what we call filler, w- without an episode, you're going to miss some of the whimsy, probably. Yeah. Yep. And you're gonna 
every episode someone has to say 100 years of war. Right, right. I mean, the thing is, it's it's condensed in terms of number of episodes, but it's not that condensed in terms of runtime. Time? Yeah, yeah that's true. Right. But Yeah, it's more like 16 to 18 episodes in terms of runtime. Yeah, but but it does, because of the way episodes are structured, you know, you have fewer... There's a lot of just compact little, the little story you can tell in one animated episode, right? Yeah. And I think the original series does a lot of that in a way that really serves the gradual development of characters in a way mm -hmm. that is just very, I think it's harder. It's a little, it's different when, you know, you're, you just have fewer episodes, even if it's the same runtime, it's like, it's not kind of just coming back to this, just touching on something and then waiting a couple episodes, touching on it and waiting. It's yeah. like here, it's like, well, if you want to touch on it eight times, you either got to do it in every episode or you've got to right. do it multiple times yeah. in an episode. Whereas when it's over 20, you could do it once and then wait a couple, then again, okay, wait a couple, then again and again. And, and it's like, I don't know. I, I just think the rhythm is very different. And yeah. that's, and it's weird because the, the cabbage seller, right. Is kind of the epitome of that. Yes. The fact that we had, I think there were two teases of him yes. like showing up and like starting to say like, would you like to try my, and like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. But then we got two, we got the con yell. And then at the end, when Boomy crashes the cart, we hear it again. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the original, it, it was, it was like over the course of multiple episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah it was like a space gag. Yeah. Like more. spaced. Yeah like three yeah. or four episodes apart, like, oh, like yeah. he's in a completely different city. So yeah. I, like the the pacing and the, yeah, it it's very off to me. And that the, the cabbages is a, is a weird way to kind of symbolize <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I see that. I see that. I want to get more into this. I just want to pause for a quick second to say, we've already gotten two emails from fans that we're going to be discussing. Oh, One yeah. of them is specifically right. about uh, episodes five and six. The other was specifically oh. about episode Oops. eight. And so I just want to encourage listeners, if you haven't yet, uh, if you have thoughts about this, thoughts about what we're saying, questions you want us to discuss, comments, ways you think we're totally wrong, uh, find us. You can find us on social media by looking for The Ethical Panda. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can also email us directly, Matthew at theethicalpanda.com. And of course, one of the best ways to support what we're doing is to become a member. For only $5 a month or $55 a year, you get bonus content, not on these episodes because we're putting these out so fast, but on most episodes, you get ad-free content, and you're also going to get bonus, uh, full bonus episodes. And you can find out all of that by going to www.theethicalpanda.com. So why don't we start looking at individual characters and stories? Because, uh, and you brought up Iroh, Riki. I felt super up and down about Iroh. There were some, well, actually, let me back that up a bit. There were some parts of Iroh's story that were just incredibly heart-wrenching and beautiful. Um, the scene where he's talking about his his dead son. Did you guys catch that the music they were playing? Oh, yeah. Leaves on the vine. Yeah, that was... I, I had goosebumps tearing up. And that scene... Okay, so that scene really worked for me. Um, mm -hmm. not, not just, like, because of uh, Iroh... Um, Paul Sonnen Lee's performance, like mostly saying nothing, but just the anguish on his face and the the tear drop. But Zuko, like that was that was a really interesting Zuko scene yeah. that we got, and I I felt like it was a good addition. Like that's one of the few scenes 
that they've added here that I was like, oh yeah, okay, like I, that makes Zuko his progression better, smoother. I felt yeah, and makes their relationship work a lot better. Yeah, in this version. Yeah, I feel like it really adds like depth and context to their relationship. Um, mm. And then the scene where he's getting on the boat and he's like, everything I need is here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, many Star Wars lines. <laughs> um, and it, it, it feels to me like something I, I feel like in terms of story structure, I probably would rather see that later in mm-hmm. terms of actually feeling the kind of arc of Zuko. But if you're gonna have the arc if you're going to kind of try and get people to like Zuko earlier instead of having him be just kind of like annoying and loud and then you come around to understanding where he comes from, I think mm-hmm. it's very effective. So I think yeah. clearly there if you're going to rush an arc, at least like do it with like great scenes like those. I think yeah. is what I would say. Agreed. Well, I don't I don't feel me, like it was rushed. That's the thing no, like I, well, but it's rushed in terms of like it coming so early in season one. I think is what Paul is saying. Yeah, like I we haven't okay. really had that much time to see Zuko being so obsessed with the Avatar yeah. that he'll do anything guess, if he's already. I guess to sort of amend what I mean, instead of maybe rushing, if you're going to do something faster than you did in the original show, doing it faster and well, like they have done with that. I think is a good choice. Other things like introducing Ozai and Azula faster in scenes that they added that yeah. did not like. I, and I, I and so I feel like adding more Zuko and Iroh earlier, I like and appreciate. Maybe they feel like if we're going to make these two firebenders who are kind of the main Fire Nation characters we see in the first season, if we're going to make them more sympathetic, then maybe they feel like therefore we need to introduce the very unsympathetic fire nation characters faster i don't know i know yeah. we do and yeah. he's do. he's a great character and like great, he is acting. A great character. Like, yeah probably well, probably my favorite of the performances really yeah me too far. well and if i can just stay on iroh for a second when i said there's i felt kind of ups and downs because those moments were perfect there were other moments that felt off to me, but I wonder if it's because we're going in a direction that Riki, you had actually talked about during Iroh's confrontation with the earth nation soldier. I was surprised that Iroh wasn't more, contri- uh, wasn't more contrite and, and kind of apologetic, mm. uh, you know, learning that this guy's brother had died in an attack that Iroh had led. I, I think Iroh clearly feels bad for him and has regrets but he he pointedly doesn't apologize and you know goes to saying like you know i think you're just as bad now in terms of the the hate you yeah. feel i i was wondering riki you've talked a couple of times about that you would have liked to see more of the journey iro takes to get to be the sort of wonderfully i want to say zen that's not the right word obviously but that kind of like he has come to peace he's come to terms with his past this scene makes me wonder if we're actually going to get some of that journey because this is Iroh is not quite to the place he gets to in the show that we saw before of really being at peace with, you know, what he has done and his role in it and the need to, to do better. 
Yes. So I, I agree with you. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm agreeing with you that I said that. Um, but <laughs> yes. Here, that no, here, let me try to explain. Um, when we first meet Iroh in the animated show, I feel like his journey, like emotional journey is largely complete, right? Right. And what we are getting is him trying to give the lessons that he's learned to Zuko. Right. In this show, it feels different. And that what I said earlier, like I did not like the additional scene of Iroh and Aang in the Earth prison together because it, it it mirrors the scene where ang was a prisoner on the the fire ship and they have a conversation where ang is like lecturing slash like trying to convince iroh that the war is wrong and i i don't want that mm. I, iroh should already know that the war is wrong like that's how he should start this series because of his backstory so i don't I like I know it's Avatar and it's Aang's show, but I do not like this version where Aang is teaching Iroh this lesson mm. because I feel like he's 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 already been there. So I'm I'm very wary of where this is going. Yeah. Well what sense. was your take that what was your take on his conversation with the with the Earth soldier? Yeah, I mean the my take is that I agree with you on that. Definitely like that he he's still not there yet. Like he had the conversation with Aang, he had the conversation with Earth Soldier. He keeps spitting the the company or the, the Fire Nation line, right? Like right. I was just a soldier. Like I was doing my job. Like we're, we're both doing our jobs. And yeah, like that that to me is like the, the biggest problem I'm having right now with Iroh is that he, his character is fundamentally different in that sense, that he's yeah. in a different point of development. But I am I'm enjoying the performance more now. Like from the first two episodes to three and four, like I'm definitely coming around on the the performance and how he's being portrayed. I'm just I don't like where the the writing is taking the character. Yeah, that's right. Kind of like it's it's a version of the character that isn't the version you want to see, but it's like well done. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. The choices they've made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I've, I feel similarly. You know, I mean. I I think it's interesting to see how much bitterness he has towards the Earth Kingdom as particularly like its military, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, yeah. you know, the Earth Kingdom is not um, known for being merciful to its um, prisoners. Like it almost sounds like his son didn't fall in battle, like he was captured and then, you know, murdered, basically, mm. you know, which... Yeah would be i guess an interesting way to tell the story <laughs> um not the way that i would but like it it feels it feels different for sure and i i really feel like they are trying to make the earth kingdom feel less sympathetic and have like have have iro still like be angry at them and see them as a military still as the enemy and um, have this bitterness towards them while not necessarily having that bitterness towards the people of the earth mm -hmm. kingdom, you know, and, yeah. and kind of maybe being able to sort the military's 
from the people, but basically being like, hey, when I was born, this war was going on. You know, our mm -hmm. countries have been at war for literally my entire life. Uh, 100 years, in case anybody yeah. forgets how long it's been. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we just... We, I was born the fire prince and I was supposed to do this thing. And so I did this thing and like, what do you want? You know? And then I yeah. stopped doing the thing. And, and it seems like the story here is that like, he stopped doing the thing because he decided. Cause he like lost his taste for it because his son died. Right. Which right. is kind of the original story, except I think in the original story, it's more that his son dying, maybe, personalized the 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 loss and the devastation and tragedy of war and that he had all of these right it, and the first conversation he had with ang made it feel like he had come around to that and when and when he was saying some say this it's in our nature to consume everything some people say this but he didn't say what he thought and yeah I was yeah. thinking that meant that he thought what the iro in the animated series thinks which is like we shouldn't be doing this war anymore, but I can't stop it myself. So I'm going to try and guide my nephew in a direction where I think he'll be a, a happier, more, you know, constructive person in the world where maybe he can then do something and, right. you know, we'll kind of see how it all plays out. Whereas here, I feel like it's more of a kind of, he's still in that kind of questioning where like, yeah, he knows what people set, what people say, and he knows that he doesn't agree with it deeply but also it doesn't feel like he is opposed to it and like part of a secret organization and like mm -hmm. you know like like there's there's certain things that happen later down the road in the series that here feel like has this iroh already been it it does i feel like including those elements later which i i won't deeply spoil but like there's some things that we learn about iroh in season two season three or whatever of the animated series that if we learn those about him that those are already true i don't understand kind of how this version yeah. of iroh mat matches those those facts that we know come to learn about him yeah no, animated series. I, I think you're right and i think like i said the i think if we watch him become the iroh who he is at the start of the series it's very different, but I think that could be very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. But then I need to know that, yeah, he hasn't been doing the things that that Iroh would have done. Right. One thing I thought was also very interesting and just kind of gave an interesting new twist on it. And maybe you all saw it already there in the animated, but I, I feel like it's being added here. When he has that um, last conversation with Zuko, that's a flashback to when Zuko was freshly wounded by his was freshly wounded and was on the boat and all that mm -hmm. uh, leaves on the trees started playing again, which yeah. I've always seen it that Zuko is looking to Iroh as a father figure because he has very recently lost his father. Um, I never thought of it as Iroh because of the loss of his son, kind of neat wanting a surrogate son in the same way that, uh, Zuko wants a surrogate father, but this time I did, especially mm. with the playing of that song to me was kind of a, like not in any kind of like needy or unhealthy way, but that for both of them, there is this loss in their life that they are looking to each other to, to help have a similar relationship, which just, you know, it, it, it makes it more of a, 
you know, instead of, again, like Iroh being at peace and Zuko looking to him, it's the how are they both going to help each other towards peace, which on the one hand, like, if you told me that one of the things that a modern version of something that was a remake of something from 20 years ago was going to do was to say that all the characters are on a journey to find peace instead of some of them actually are there already, I would say, yep, that sounds exactly like what a more grimdark version has to be. But, um... Yeah, cause I, like the first time I saw that, I was like, no, Iroh wouldn't say that. And then it was like, okay, no, maybe Iroh would say this. Um, or at least mm. this version of Iroh. And then it's a question of like, do we want to see this version of Iroh or not? And I think that's uh, all positions on that are perfectly valid. It's weird because yeah. I would be I will I will be satisfied at the end of all this with Iroh. Because it's, it's a wonderful character. I don't think they can like deviate that far from the script, so to speak. But, and, and like, I don't know, like, did I need this? Did I need to, to watch Iroh go through the story? I, again, like, I, I don't think so. Because yeah. this is very much about Zuko going through that journey, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked previously in our, in our like recap about what made that so satisfying was that Zuko himself like goes through his up ups and downs and back up again, right? And then so Iroh was like always his constant. He came into that series knowing who he was, knowing what he had to do for Zuko. Kind of kind of like for me like Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New mm-hmm. Hope. Mm-hmm. And in like all of the the pre Amble material that we're getting right between episodes three and four, Obi Wan Kenobi was like sitting in a desert for fifteen years, but his mission was clear. He was like, "I failed. The Jedi failed. I have to like watch over Luke and help him do the thing." And to me, that's Iroh. Like he comes in, he's like, "I failed. I failed my nation. I failed my son. Yeah, I have to help Zuko." And this Iroh in the live action Iroh we're getting, like it's it's unclear that he understands that. Like he's he's like you've been saying, like he still feels like he is caught up in the war mode. Yeah. And is caught up in still being a general. I will say I I do think that I I do agree with Paul what you said earlier about the Earth Kingdom being presented a little less sympathetically. But and I I want to kind of you guys to check me on this because this might be my own internal bias. I, I come from a place that, you know, yes, when terrible things are done to people and then people do terrible things in response, like we get into a cycle where both sides are doing bad things. But for me, I'm almost never going to believe, like, therefore, both sides are equally bad in a situation where there's a clear aggressor and a clear, like, you know, person being oppressed and fighting back against it. And it felt to me, like, particularly because it felt to me like, we were supposed to think Iroh was not really being fair with some of what he said that I like, I did feel much, I felt much more sympathetic to the earth soldier than I did to Iroh in that moment and felt like I, I felt sorry for him that he has clearly gone that far into hate as well. And that that's bad. And that the earth, like what has happened to the earth kingdom is bad. But to me, I didn't get to a place of earth kingdom is as bad as the fire nation. That, that one is the aggressor and the other is going in bad directions in response to that aggression. Yeah, I, I guess um, 
I don't really see it that way. Um, mm -hmm. I, I hear where you're coming from, but I, I just thought, you know, the Earth Kingdom soldier was just like a douche. I mean, like, like, and I understand the idea of like the aggressor in a war, but like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that ever really, I, I don't care like who's worse. Like that, yeah. that doesn't seem like an important question to me. You know, it's yeah, like, I agree. if, if we just look at like World War II and like, if, if we specifically focus on like the US and Japan, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't care who was worse. Like I know Japan was initially the aggressor against, you know, the, mm -hmm. the like Imperial Japan specifically against like other, you know, parts of Asia. Right. And then, and then, you know, Pearl Harbor or whatever, but like, I mean, that doesn't make the actions of the United States like not unconscionable. It's like, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things to me where it's just like, yeah, like even contemplating like better or worse, it's like, I don't care. Like, just unacceptable, you know? And, mm -hmm. and like, if it's literally something that's happening while defending one's home, it's like, it feels a little different. Right. right. But like, that's not what this is. It's like some guy got locked up and he's going to be sent to, to a labor camp to, to like slave away till he dies. Mm -hmm. And you're like kicking him on the way, you know, like, that's just, that's malice and bitterness and, an extremely it's a harmful reaction like people respond differently to horrible things happening to them mm -hmm. you know and i i don't feel like because something horrible happened to you and somebody else was a part of that 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 exonerates any sense of guilt or responsibility or whatever um i i it's like, it's, it's a little, especially because like the earth kingdom is so powerful and actually, as we come to learn, like quite oppressive at the same time, maybe mm -hmm. Omashu isn't so much that way, but like. Yeah, we've got a lot to say about Boston say that we have to have going. Yet, yeah. 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 We, we don't, you know, we I don't mean, have to, to get dig in there. Quick and aside, get there, but yeah. Quick aside. I don't understand the structure of the earth kingdom. And why Bumi is a king, because there's also the Earth King in Bossing. Right. So I'm just like I don't understand how the politics of this nation works. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Bes I, besides I, that point. Right. I. The the conversation between Iroh and the Earth Kingdom soldier, I often use the phrase manipulative. Like mm -hmm. that felt very manipulative on the part of the writers. Where the, mm -hmm. the soldier okay. like tells this story, like my mm -hmm. brother, you killed my brother, like he burned, like I can't stand the smell of smoke or whatever, I, or I, I still smell smoke. You don't know what loss is. And then immediately cut to, right, like the Lu Ten funeral. Yeah. Yeah, with the exposition dump of the people whispering, like he just lost his son in the siege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, like Paul has mentioned, you know, the writing, I, I felt like that was a good scene but the the writing like to get to that point with the earth kingdom soldier and the exposition from the the attendant the attendee of the funeral was yeah. like a little manipulative so i didn't enjoy yeah. that yeah no I, th I think that's fair think and if fair. that scene had been bad it would have been brutal yeah yeah and i yeah. was like oh you're going here now and then i was like Okay, but then they make you cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Here's a character okay. place to go. Yeah. Oh, we're going here now. 
and I think I think I think what you're saying, Paul, is fair. I think like, yeah, it's not really about who is worse. It, it's weird because it's like I, it's not that I want to engage in who is worse, but that I do think that often the, when the outsider perspective can be, oh, they're both equally as bad. That that I find just as problematic. And yeah, yeah, I um, agree with you that like that's not like I'm not interested in who's worse, but saying that they're the same and equal, I think is it's harmful and yeah. like wrong, but also kind of irrelevant. It's like, what? just yeah. why even say that, you know, the, just yeah. say that they're both bad. Don't say that they're equal. The lesson well, in these stories is that someone has to stop the cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And in, in this version, what we are given, Iroh stops the cycle where he, right. you know, uh, Zuko helps him escape and he has the earth kingdom soldier on the ground and says something like there we've all seen enough death right yeah. which is like it was okay but again like just it felt a little it still felt a little aggressive for iroh yeah and so like i'm not sure where this character is at yeah i think that's fair well especially because to me like yeah i i think we retrace yeah out. he's just but- He's probably not where the animated character was. I yeah, yeah. Like, he, it's he, he's he sounded bitter, and again, yeah. like I, I think it was performed well, but it's just like yeah. I, that's not where I want this <laughs> character to be right now. Yeah. Do Do you know Paul Sun Hyung Lee's screen name on like everything? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitter Asian bitter, dude. Yeah, that's I hilarious. Do. That's hilarious. <laughs> what do you guys then think of Jet and his portrayal in this? Because it did feel like he. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to spoil my own thing. What would you guys think of how Jet was portrayed? I mean, it was okay. He he's got the smolder. This guy, uh, what's his name? Let me get his name real quick. He, he looks like the part so much. It's like yeah. Sebastian Jet Amoruso. Like even his like profile pic in the cast listing. Like yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a smolder. Oh my he really gosh. Does. So I, I want to talk with him for a second, but just on that note, I will say the act, the acting, like I was saying before, I didn't think that Katara had had much acting to do. I thought the way the actress portrayed Katara kind of fangirling hard for this guy, but then the moment he crossed the line as she said it, she was just like, nope, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, I disagree with her, but I thought that was very real to her character and very well portrayed by her. Yeah, she I, I'm starting to come around on her performance. Uh, her name, so I believe it's it's starts with a K, but I've I've listened to interviews and I believe it's pronounced G O N D O. So yeah, I'm 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 I, I started off a Sokka fan. I'm coming around on Katara, although the the two of them, the argument they had in the secret tunnel was. Uh, like that felt cringy, very manipulative. cringy to me yeah. yeah well so what do we think of jet though i thought that they were deliberately trying to make jet less sympathetic in terms of his aims and goals but i feel like that's not what i mean because he's literally trying to blow up like a bunch of people right and i don't know Oh, interesting. I had the exact opposite reaction. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I yeah. felt that he was much more sympathetic and much more oh, and, and, than in the animated no. series. Because I wow. feel less yeah. less sympathetic for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, we, yeah. So where where are you where are you with that, 
Matthew? Like, where's... I mean, again, I'm, I'm viewing all this through the lens of everything happening in the world right now. Right, and just right. my general sense of, like, anytime you call somebody a terrorist, especially when they're, like, the one fighting against oppression, I'm like, come on. But, like, to me, it, it felt like, he, you know, in that one, he wanted to kill a whole bunch of civilians, like a whole town's worth of civilians. Yeah. Here, he was targeting specific buildings where I think there was, like, one or two people being hurt at a time. And then he was trying to target someone who was like a legitimate spy that was, you know, hurting their city and seeing things through a very problematic lens where he meant that where he sees that everybody who is connected to this person is also therefore corrupt and bad and terrible and thus must die, which I think we're supposed to disagree with. But he felt like a freedom fighter and he... Not to get us off into a completely different discussion, he felt to me a lot like Saw Gerrera or Lucian from Star Wars. Like, Saw Gerrera is from all the things, and Lucian is specifically from Andor, but, like, he felt like someone who was doing what he thought was needed to fight, you know, the oppressors. And I disagree with him to some extent, but whereas, to me, Jet in the animated just hates Fire Nation people and wants to kill them for vengeance. Mm. Here it felt like he had a specific idea of this will help us to win the war in a strategic way. Like, I hate Lucian and I hate what Lucian wants to do, but I agree with him that I'm not sure unless Lucian did what he does, we get Luke Skywalker. And I think that's what makes Andor so brilliant is it raises those kind of questions. And... I don't think Jet needs to do what he does, but I believe that Jet believes that he needs it. And to mm. me, that makes him much more sympathetic than the version in the animated. Okay. In the animated, if I'm, I'm trying to recall, he was going to blow up a dam yep. because he wanted to wipe out a Fire Nation encampment of soldiers. And but it was the, also going to wipe out a village. But as a consequence, there was also a village of, of Earth Kingdom people. That was also going to get wiped out. Was it Earth Kingdom people, or was it uh, like or, a, a Fire Nation colony? I, I well, I don't know. I felt like it was like his people, I, right? I and he's presumably oh, yeah. from the Earth okay. Kingdom. Yeah, I think it was it his was, people. Th- there were civilians, right? Right. Is, yeah, is the point. So, like in this one, he is his goal is to assassinate the king, right? of his own nation. And, and that's why, like, I feel like he's less sympathetic here. I, I agree with what you said in the animated, he hates the fire nation and that's right. why he's doing what he's doing. And he doesn't care about the consequences and the collateral damage in this one. Okay. Like he still hates the fire nation. Cause like his, his little band is like all, we're all orphans because of the fire nation. And then he chooses to try to assassinate his own King because like he has this twisted view of politics and corruption and that like, that's what the, I don't, I don't understand his motives. I think he's just like a misguided idiot kid in this one. So I think I, I thought that he thinks the King is collaborating with the enemy. Oh, I did not think that. I he, thought that he, he thinks the mechanist is collaborating. Well, he knows yeah, the yeah. mechanist is collaborating. Yeah. I and because he, the mechanist is meeting with the king, like he jumps to this conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't even feel that was his conclusion. I thought he thought that the king was just like old and feeble-minded and didn't know any what was going on in in his own city and wasn't 
going to do anything about it. And he basically just wanted to affect political change, which, yeah. you know, okay. I mean, if, if there was more, it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I think the difference for me was that mm-hmm. here he's like, I am going to blow up those people to like those people. I'm right. going to specifically murder them. Right. As opposed to, I'm going to blow up a dam and it might kill a bunch of people, but it's, and that might be worse in terms of the outcome, but it feels less personal. You know, it feels less like I am deliberately killing those people. And there's just something specific about that, that, you know, like maybe it's not worse, you know, Mm -hmm. but, okay. But it feels different. I, I, I think I think I've like masked it out in my head. Like his goal is to he he's trying to assassinate the king. Like yes, his own king. But they have been making it look like it's the Fire Nation, right? Because that's why they're using bombs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they are trying to frame the Fire Nation for yeah. a political assassination. Yeah. It's basically that, like a false flag. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, right. Mm-hmm. Like. And that, yeah. and, and Matthew, like that's why I feel he's less sympathetic here because he, there's a there's more of a deliberateness to it, like a misguided, in my opinion, misguided deliberateness. Whereas in the animated, like he, it just felt like he was acting out of anger. Hmm. Makes sense. Which, yeah, I think we just we just had very different views of of how it happened then because I I saw what he was wanting very differently. Mm. I and do again, think that he has made his mind a sunless space. I'll agree with that. Oh, you you don't remember the monologue? Okay, it was just the best monologue in the history of Star Wars. But that's fine. Never mind. Is that that's from Andor? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. It is, Fair enough. It is a good monologue. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, can we at least say I thought his fighting scenes and the way they did like the double sword hooking together was really oh, yeah. badass. Like, I yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, the action continues to be top notch. The Iro rescue scene. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Dallas, right? Yeah, Zuko's yeah. character. Dallas yeah. he, I mean, his acting is also good, but if he got cast just because of how he does the spin kicks, like I'm okay with that. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, he, he can move. He can yeah. move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's... when Paul Sung Young Kim had to do his version of like, I I was like, okay, yeah, that that really makes sense. Like the way yeah. he kind of like watching him summon this power through his movement felt to a non-martial artist like me, at least very believable. Yeah. 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 He, he can move too. But yeah. uh, it's funny because Dallas Liu is like almost the only character in Shang-Chi who doesn't like do martial arts in a movie. And then, <laughs> and then here he's in this and I'm like, Oh, he's also like an awesome. Martial I mean, maybe artist. the actor hung out with the others and like, screw it. And has been doing martial right. arts. Right. Like, hey. <laughs> Maybe he'll be in the sequel. Yeah. Wait, what sequel? Maybe. Dang it. The- <laughs> what what do you all think of we talked about them being introduced and we don't love what they, how they're being introduced, but just in terms of them as characters, what'd you think of uh Azula and her girl gang? Azula, mm-hmm. Miley, and May. Ty Ty Lee. Ty Lee, thank you. My one word conclusion is no. My longer conclusion is too too early and i i don't know what's going on with this and oh my gosh you fire nation um 
whatever uh, resistance fighters don't even know what your princess looks like. <laughs> like yeah, what was that? that was really. Oh man, what was that? I was really like when when I saw Ben Wong who who plays um, the leader of them. I was like, oh, he's in this too. Like, I don't even know who this character is. And I'm like, wait, they're Fire Nation? Which yeah. I think to me underscored the idea that they really want to show that like not everyone in the Fire Nation sure, is yeah. like in favor of the war, which is cool. Right. I also feel like too soon. Like, I don't want to know that yet. I do know that. But like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's okay to, and I think that's something that was so powerful about the original is like, that you get to feel like these are the bad guys, they're the villains, and then over time you understand it's just a nation of people whose military and government have been doing horrible things, have been, yeah. you know, perpetrating this awful war of conquest, and but the country is just a bunch of people, you know, and yeah. and I think trying to show that too early to me, it's like. Obviously, they're just trying to do something different, and like, we'll see, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of like, I, I, so he's he's the lead of American Board Chinese, and like, which I think is a great show that got canceled after its first season. It's mm -hmm. on Disney if you want to watch it. Um, and it, you know, and, and he's he's not going to be in any more episodes of this show, you know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, although I think he's he's got some gigs lined up that, you know. Yeah. Um, Look, if you wanted to come in and shoot one or two scenes, fine. But Sure, yeah. But like the, Azula, I was, I was also like, what's she doing here yet? I didn't, yeah. I wasn't feeling the character. The, it, I feel like the, <laughs> I want the actress who played Suki to also play Azula. Yeah. I actually thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Wow. To me, there's two things. One is I do totally agree. These characters are being brought in much too soon in part because it, it already starts the idea that Zuko isn't as bad. Whereas right. in, yeah. in season yeah. one, Zuko is our primary antagonist mm -hmm. with Zhao coming up behind him. Right. And then that starts to give you the idea. And then like in season two, it's like, oh, wait, now here's Azula. And then season three, it's like, oh, wait, here's Ozai. Yeah, yeah. But still mostly Azula. And so, yeah, it feels way too soon to be seeing so much of Ozai. But also, and Mary, my heart and I were talking about this a lot. I, I think Azula and uh, Ty Lee and May may be the hardest characters to translate from animation to live action. Hmm. You know, because in the animation, they feel very over the top. They feel not in a weird way, but like in a in the way that an animated character who's a teenager, but clearly has this understanding, like they were sexy in a way. Like, you know, the camera was focusing on Ty Lee, like kicking all over the place and things like that in ways that a lot of bad animation makes very uncomfortable. I think this show did very well, but not even just that specifically, but just like they were so over the top. They were so kind of bigger than life in some ways that I just don't know you can get with real actresses. Um, it, real, real act. I don't, with I just, physical, with meat puppets. Yeah, yeah, with human beings where, where, you know, and again, because this show is supposed to be more realistic in that way. You know, mm -hmm. we don't see when a character gets really angry, we don't have the like, classic animation like all the lines behind them get squiggly as their eyes bust out you know we don't have the and i feel like 
Tai Li, Mei, uh, Azula feel the most sort of of that kind of a world, you know? Mm. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what these actors can do, like, in terms of physical performance. So, like mm-hmm. I was saying, like, if, if Dallas can spin kick, then <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe these actresses can do some fancy spin kicks and, like, but Ty Lee does a lot of like acrobatic stuff, right? So yeah, we'll see. Oh, yeah. And, and there may be yeah. like some stunt stunt performers like mixed in, right? Like well, stunt to doubles. Be clear, so. It's not that I think the actors can't do the physicality of it. It's that I felt that the characters were very over the top in a way that I don't know if you can do with humans instead of animation. Hmm. I I guess I feel like I didn't feel that way so much. I also mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm alone, but I didn't feel like any of the characters in the animated show were like sexy. I don't know. Like that just didn't feel like part of the show to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there were like romances, but they weren't like steamy romances. It was like. It, it's the wrong word, but I feel like. I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way. Yeah. I, I'm saying I mean, that that's my feeling. That's my subjective experience. I, I will say I know an awful lot of people who watched. I, I know an awful lot of people who watched the show as kids. Yeah. And had a lot of awakening feelings watching the three of them. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean it more in that way, not in a way yeah. that like I think adults look at and like, oh, that's hot, but just right, in a right, like, right. there's it's that aspect to the characters that I yeah, just yeah. think doesn't translate well. Um, hmm. But I, I think that's just television, and that's just like animated television, right? Yeah. Like, take the Justice League. Wonder Woman is always running or flying around in her outfit which is yeah. like presumably sexy, but I don't think as adults, we look at that and go like, Oh yeah. Like, did, yeah. Did... Right. No. And to be, I, I, I'm not, I think that was the wrong word to use. Cause we're getting hung up on that. I'm, I'm not at all saying that they, they should be sexier. I'm saying they all felt fairly flat to me. They didn't feel like, okay. That's also a horror. No, no, I, no, 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 I, I, I was trying not to say anything. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> that their characterizations all felt very like, yeah. They weren't larger than life. Right, right. You're saying yeah. the live action ones? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got like less than a minute of the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, which I you get like... like it. So we're like complaining that it's too soon. They didn't really give us much. No, but mm-hmm. at this point, it is the suggestion that they are bigger players and in, in what's going on in this season, I think is what we're getting at. Because specifically, like at the end, I think at the end of episode four. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Azula is writing back to Zhao, Commander Zhao, and is kind of like setting him up to right. take over and betray um, Zuko, right? Which was, is not, mm-hmm. was not a part of the original. So like no. in the original, the animated series, I recently rewatched it. And in season one... Azula does not have any speaking lines and right. she only appears in the background of the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like very sinister looking. I was like, yeah. Oh, there, and, there she is. And I think like the last scene, right. Of the. Uh, yeah, even. I think so. I think it was like the villain, like next season villain reveal. Like, exactly. Now it's my yeah. turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Which Definitely. is like, it was a great reveal and a great mm-hmm. kind of like setup of anticipation for the next yeah. season. So again, yeah. like that's what I, I think we're all feeling is like, why are we yeah. doing it this way? Well, and that reminds me of another thing I was going to say about that, which is that I think 
because all of the stuff of the actual Fire Nation was kept off screen, the whole time that Zuko and Iroh are going back and forth about like, you know, does your does my father hate me or will he ever give me a chance or won't he ever give me a chance? All we know is what Iroh and Zuko are saying. Yes. And so when Zok Zuko actually thinks about going back, we are just as confused as he is because we haven't seen it. Whereas in this, it's like, nope. Ozai is very clearly a horrible person. Zuko, you should never ever think about going back. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Your family's full of vipers. Your sister wants to kill you. Your father's yeah. terrible. Like and the way that they filmed Ozai, I mean, Phil drew Ozai in season one of the animated show, like it, it's a lot. I, I don't think, I don't remember if they showed his face. Yeah, I feel like, they like it was a lot of like from behind, like on his throne, like the yeah. flames all around him. And, and so, yeah, like it's a very different Ozai portrayal here as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and I feel like it's too soon. I don't like what I've seen so far. I'm willing to give it some time because they just haven't had much screen time. You yeah. know, I trust that Daniel Day Kim can do a good job of a lot of the part. If they give him lines and actions that mm -hmm. are good, you know, and in terms of Azula and Tylee and may like, we'll see, like we did, we got more than I wanted at this point, but again, not very much. And yeah, that's true. I, I guess I, I, I don't have the same feeling about them being kind of larger than life in the animated. I feel like everybody's larger than life in the animated series in a yeah. way. Right. And I, I can see how they could pull it off. I mean, I know people who can like walk on their hands and, you know, do a bunch of Tylee stuff and, but then combine yeah. that with like a bubbly personality and the ability to then eventually maybe show yeah. another side of her like that. That sounds difficult. Yeah. It's a challenge, but um, I thought Zuko was going to be one of the hardest characters to pull off. And I think so far they've done a great job uh, as yeah, he's you know, doing it. and um, I thought Zhao was one of the least interesting characters in the first season of the original. And like here, I think it's maybe the most compelling performance. I'm like, Oh, like, and it's not even like, it's just like the delivery The I don't know. I think, yeah. Ken Leong is like doing a great job with the character and he, like he giving is. us more than he really is than was on and the I think, page, you know. I think that may make it a little more disappointing as well when we get to the end of his arc. Mm. If he's being manipulated by Azula. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we'll happens. See. Yeah. yeah. I I will say, um, the actress portraying uh, May completely nailed that complete deadpan yeah the voice, the voice for sure for sure yeah, I didn't I was like, yes. voice. i'm like that's may yeah <laughs> you're yeah. may that's fair that's fair it's affected just like talking like this like oh my mm -hmm. gosh yeah perfect <laughs> i will also say they shoved in way too many storylines in episodes three and four but i was so so glad that they included um say and teo the the mechanist and his son mm. because first of all because like this just continues to be a great time for representation as disabled folks like here you have a character who is in a wheelchair uh for unspecified reasons the the mechanist is able to use the kind of like crazy science and you know air air stuff to uh make his wheelchair fly 
but it is still very much a wheelchair and Aang has to push it at one point. And so again, this fits for me the disability in science fiction-y, magic-y worlds, but it doesn't erase the disability. But also just their characterizations were great. And I loved the TV show community and I loved the character of Abed. And I, I, I should have looked up the name of the actor. Um, uh, Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi, thank you. I've seen him play a number of roles since then where he's basically playing other versions of Abed. And so to see him play something so different and to play like what's not a huge role, but is one of the real emotional centers of this particular arc and to play it with so much humanity. Like I, I think we can judge him, but I, I didn't for a moment not feel sympathetic to him. I felt very like this is a man in an impossible situation I don't want to, I, I, I wish he had made a better choice, but I can't swear that I would make a better choice in his position, which is to me like exactly the acting you need from that. And I was just, and I, I love the kid who's playing Teo and I just, everything about those two and the, and the role they played made me really happy. Yeah, I'll just co-sign that. I'm not sure how much I have to add, but like, yeah. I, I, I do agree that like they shoved a lot of stuff in, but like they did those two characters well. You know, yeah. and and I'm very glad that those characters are in the story. Um, mm-hmm. I hope they continue be into the sto- in the story as you know at least as much as they they were in the original series. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because like he and Jet, Sai and Jet, right, were both. Mm-hmm. They, I think they were both. Yeah, I think they're supposed to mirror of, each other. Yeah, basically, right. And for some reason, I found him more um more relatable and maybe it has mm-hmm. to do with the performance maybe it's the dialogue i'm not sure you know but uh maybe well, it's just my own sort of tendencies well he was in in his view he was collaborating with the fire nation to forestall an invasion right right because right. he, he says, like, as long as I pass information along to them, they won't attack. Right. Right. So he's. Which what he's not telling himself is I'm helping them attack other people so they don't attack us. Like, I think no. he's putting himself denial to some extent. But yeah, he, he has a noble goal. As he yeah. Says. Yeah. And it feels to me like he's he's kind of lying to himself about that. Right. Yeah. Like he's he's basically trying to be like, OK, I'm just going to keep my head down and protect myself, protect my son and protect my city to the meager amount that I can and just kind of try not to worry about the consequences of that because, you know, this is, I I have to do this. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I I really enjoyed his interaction with Sokka as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like we haven't talked about Sokka much, but I felt like we got a lot more of the Sokka engineer angle here, Mm -hmm. like which did exist, but maybe that that is a like subtle direction a subtle different direction that they can take things in and add add that to his character more because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was mentioned very much after the meeting between these characters originally yeah he was more like the plan guy well i mean there's no. there's at least one thing that he designed yeah okay yeah that's no, fair that was kind of yeah big so that comes across much later but yeah he plays, yeah. He plays yeah, a big yeah. role and what do y'all think of Boomy? Fun, I guess. <laughs> it's the main thing. 
He was definitely in the episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess I, I didn't have really strong opinions. I, I, I kept kind of trying to square, like, having seen that the, Boomy felt like a character and this story arc that was one of the hardest things for me to kind of square with the animated series, you know? Mm -hmm. And like they had a statue of Flopsy, right? But mm -hmm. they're like, we're not going to have Aang fighting a giant rabbit. Like we're just, yeah. we're not going to do that in the live action. Okay. Um, and the, the sort of thing at the end where he's like, you know, you have to make a choice. You have to kill me, this or that, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it felt very different to me. I don't, I don't remember whether he was quite that kind of harsh in the, or in the original, mm -hmm. but it, it, it felt different to me. It felt more. That confrontation felt stronger here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think sure. in the original, he already thinks that what Aang is doing is good. He's happy to see Aang, yeah. but he wants yeah. Aang to be the best avatar I can be. Yeah. In this, it feels like his frustration and his bitterness towards Aang yes. is, is more what's coming out. And I felt like that was, I didn't, I felt like that was a choice that I was very okay with because it felt mm. again, like they're trying to tell a somewhat different kind of a story and it is more grim dark because I guess everything has to be more grim dark now. And I don't, I don't, if you told me at the beginning this was going to be a more grimdark version of Avatar, I'd been like, that's not what I want. Yeah. But now that I know what we're getting, I actually thought it worked really well because I did think that was the episode where I was really like, okay, this gets the whimsy. Mm. Like there were so many of the the boomy moments, like the bad jokes and the yeah, yeah. things like that, that were so perfect to the original. What do you mean bad jokes? Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dad <laughs> jokes. But then the... um. you know, that moment of him saying, like, you have to choose, to me, it, I don't want to spoil too much, it feels like it very foreshadow, very much foreshadows a significant part of Aang's journey towards the end, where he is, you know, he is told multiple times, mm. being the Avatar means you have to make these hard choices and be willing to sacrifice and be willing to do things you don't like. And Aang is the one person who's and like normally I hate that like oh you can always find a third way to not have to make the hard choice. Aang's the character I want to be able to do that, and I. So yeah, it felt like I've seen some people be like, "Boomy would never ever say that," and yeah, I think I think animated Boomy would never say say the things yeah, he does, especially sure. like like I really wanted him to say, "You think like a child, and that's why you're great. Never stop." Right, right. But that's not. But who that's not this Boomy. Yeah. 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 That Boomy, I feel like, lived into his hundred and teens because he had this childlike essence, right, mm -hmm. at his core that he'd hung on to for his whole life. And, you know, a, a kind of like youthful interior that, like, maybe is part of the reason that his exterior, you know, mm -hmm. persevered for so long. But, like, this Boomy feels like, no, he's like, old and bitter and like a lot of more of the things that I feel are like super um, stereotypical and like kind of ageist and whatever. And I mean, of course there's older people who are like that. And of course there's older people who aren't, you know, and like they decided to go this way, right? but he still has that essence in him. It's just, it's, it's, you know, hundred years of war. 
Yeah. But like, you know, uh, how many? I, I think it was 100. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it does let, it lets Aang actually like do a thing. Yeah. You know, which like, I feel like he didn't do a lot of things in, in the earlier episodes kind of where it's like, he gets to much the way that Riki doesn't want him to help Iroh on his journey here. Boomy has a journey that doesn't really exist in the other version of Boomy. Yeah. You know, there Boomy is there to help Aang on his journey here. He's kind of thinks he's doing that, but it's the other way around. And Aang yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I can trust my friends. They're right there. You know, they just I saved mean, you. And that's something we keep getting, right? Because it's the same yeah. thing happened on Kyoshi Island. Where it's like, right. oh, like now, now yeah. that the Avatar's shown us the way, like we can rejoin the struggle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're and, all using like the same kind of language. Yeah. And that's why I think like the, the cart ride that the two of them go on at the end is very essential because it shows that Boomy has gone, you know, oh, has, yeah. has progressed on the journey. The CGI of it was, yeah, but yeah. like. Yeah, I was so happy when they did that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, for sure. It, that was necessary. There were so many moments in that episode that just, like, maybe it's fan service, but it made me so happy, you know? Especially when, like, they gave us Secret Tunnel, but it was a new verse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then they started to go, and I was like, are you not going to actually give it to it? And then they actually started saying Secret right, Tunnel. Right. Okay. So. I'm gonna whisper. I'm gonna whisper this because Sarah's in the other room. I don't want her to hear me say this, but I'm not a fan of Secret Tunnel. <laughs> Did that come through? I, <laughs> are you mad at? Are you mad at me too now? <laughs> no, mostly I'm mad at myself that I haven't learned the um, video response, the video controls yet. Because if I'd been <laughs> able to turn off your video immediately after you said that, <laughs> it would have been fantastic. I, no, I. I don't have the love for it that a lot of other people do. I just like I, I I've come to see it as a fun, essential moment in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's like it's also definitely not my favorite. I'll say that. Uh-huh. But like it it was just funny, like before the show came out, I was reading a book and it literally said secret tunnel. Yeah. And because the show is coming up, like I had to hear it in in that mm-hmm. those tones. And then we talked about it, like, yeah, they're probably not going to do Secret Tunnel. And then they do Secret Tunnel. <laughs> it's like, well, it was funny perfect. to me. So, like, it, coincidentally, I watched this or episode four with Sarah. Like, I watched the first three without her. But I watched this one with her. And I was kind of, like, bringing her up to speed. And I was like, yeah, this version is, like, a lot more dark. <laughs> and then, like, it starts <laughs> off with, like, some some dark scene oh because the fire the fire nation scene right like the the rebels it's like oh yeah it is dark and then it the intro starts and the name of the episode was into the dark right it's like oh my gosh (laughs) yeah what's going on here yeah yeah i figured it i liked it all right anything else you guys want to say on this episode any last points well, or questions? We want so to bring I mentioned, up? I mentioned Aang. I mentioned like I'm much higher on I, the Iroh character now. Although I'm, I'm worried about the direction he's going. Like the portrayal and the performance is great. Mm-hmm. Aang, like I, I took a dip in these episodes, and I'm, I don't know much um, about ADR. Uh, I, I don't even remember what it stands for, but I, I, I just it's the American when they do... Dance Repertory. No. Uh, it's like 
Uh, it's like after dialogue recording. It's yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And I just something about the Ang performance and the the way that the audio of his voice was syncing up just like gave me ADR vibes, and I I feel like that may be kind of why I'm not digging the performance as yeah. much. Hmm. Automated I, dialogue replacement. Yeah, the, it, it's yeah. when they record the dialogue again like afterwards in the studio and yeah. mm-hmm. and layer it over and so I, I don't know if they're actually doing it but it, it just some something about it something about his dialogue just like didn't sit right with me in this one i was reading something that apparently in some version um like the actor wasn't really enunciating his words quite as much and so the director told him to really like over enunciate, which oh. would feel like okay. it really fits because I feel like that's kind of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have no idea how accurate that is. I read it on Twitter. So, you know, take it with major, major cartons of salt. But yeah, I feel like the his physical motions are great. He looks the part. You know, is it the is this Natalie Portman in um the professional levels of kid acting? No. But is it, you know, some of the very bad examples? Natalie of kid Portman acting? In, in Attack of the Clones? No. no. You know? Yeah. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Paul, I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I also feel like, um, I, I don't know how much of it's the delivery, though, and how much of it's the dialogue. If it's like some of it's just like a little too on the nose and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, Aang hasn't been top, you know, like, maybe we should just do more backstory and just have him like chilling with Gyatsu more, you know, because that worked. Yeah. That worked. But like some of these, not as much. But um, I mean, obviously. Yeah. And. And that that's the thing, like, I know, A, like, when we are being critical of, of performances, and especially um, child actor performances, like, we have to be very clear these days as fans, like, don't harass the, yeah. the performers, right? A. B. Don't harass any performers of any age, but especially yeah, yeah. not kids. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But B, like, part of performance comes from experience yeah. right like life experience or even just acting experience and so when you said that paul like that really like a light bulb went off for me like the gyatsu scenes like that's a kid talking to his his father figure and just like yeah. having a good time with his, his dad yeah. and so like it's understandable that he can give a good performance there because it's like yeah like that's that's what kids do as the avatar, like having to talk about responsibility in the world and war, like that type of dialogue may be more difficult for a child actor to deliver with the right gravitas, right? For and sure. That's understandable. And, yeah. and so like I don't I, I'm 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 critical of the performance because it's not meeting the standard of what I want, you know, the show to be, but I think it's understandable that it might come off that way because of these reasons, and that's just kind of like a consequence that we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of several reasons that I, I always thought that this uh, story was just going to always be a difficult live action adaptation because, yeah. you know, the main protagonists are very young and it's 
it's hard to act, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it takes, you know, it takes decades to learn a lot of crafts, you know, and, yeah. and acting, you can have a lot of natural talent, but it's like, you can't have 20 years of experience when you're 15, right? That's not, yeah. you know, math. Yeah. And, and the difficulty with this, with this, um, product specifically is that it's all kind of pre-written like they can right. write different dialogue but they they have the story and they yeah. have to tell the story right. and like i i think about it like i was just thinking about child actors right now and it brought to mind stranger things mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. one of the brilliant things that that show does is that it puts these like wild you know supernatural world bending consequences but then it had the actors talk about like D and D and yeah. video games yeah. and like put it in reference to like Ghostbusters and stuff. Right. And so like that made those performances more natural and more believable. Cause it was just like kids putting this like ridiculous thing that they're thrown into, but then relating it back to things that they know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'll also say not, not in his defense. Cause I don't think either of you are attacking him by any means, but just one more thing, like, you know, at, to, to, to speak to, the, the talent of the the kid who's playing Aang. If an actor is like any good at that age, I imagine it's because among other things, like, you know, they probably have been like, you know, doing a lot of like child acting, you know, and like school plays or, you know, mom's gotten them an acting coach or whatever. This is a kid who I understand has studied more martial arts than probably a lot of people do in their whole lives at the age of 12 or 13. And so like, yeah, to me, him, him, he really has to have a double skill set that don't. Yeah, many people don't necessarily like don't necessarily have. You know, I don't think many people are training in martial arts and starting in the school play very often. Um, so to me, like the fact that he is like better than the average at both, and with one being significantly high, he's not the most. He's not my favorite performance that I could imagine from Aang, but th- there's nothing about it that's really pulling me out. I and I would say especially like to me the moments where it feels put out it, it's because it feels so on the nose and i agree with you paul it may be the dialogue as much as anything there yeah and i mean that speaks to another thing that makes this series difficult is like you have to staff almost your entire cast with martial artists and yeah. then you need them to be able to act you know yeah. and it's like i spent a lot of time learning martial arts i didn't spend that time practicing acting you know i got to do stunts in some horror movie or yeah, kicked a naked guy in the head, but like you know, it's. I also got dropped on my head on concrete repeatedly, which I don't recommend. <laughs> like I do not recommend. Anyway, but like, yeah, it's it's a lot. You know, when you yeah. see a twelve year old who's like super good at martial arts, it's very impressive. And then if they're also even competent at something else, like that's super impressive. You know. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, I I, I I agree with that, and I think the the physical performance is definitely there. And as I said in the last episode, I, I think he doesn't have to carry the show; he just has to exist and, mm-hmm. and you know, like be the through line of it, and that's okay. And meanwhile, on the other side, like I I I think Dallas Liu is a breakout from yeah. this, like yeah. so far, like his. I everything he's doing, like in the physical acting, the martial arts, and the the acting acting, like I love Zuko in the original, mm-hmm. and I, I think mm-hmm. 
that's that's going to be my takeaway here is that like this Zuko performance is going to be a plus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more from him. And I think, you know, I think Gordon Cormier who's playing Aang, like he's got time, you know, like yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> needs to be more compelling in season three than in season one. Yeah. You know, like there's more, there's more weight. There's more mm. like the, the burden he carries gets larger as the series goes on, I think. And, mm. and, you know, some of the decisions get tougher mm. and, and like, you know, it's going to take them years to film the whole series. Right. Assuming that they get season two and three and like, you can improve a lot. Like if you're, yeah. if you're spending time, you know, working on your craft with other like world-class performers, like you're going to get better. Yeah. So, yes. You know, I, and, I, yeah. I have some questions there. And I also and think that, like, I, I think Aang hasn't been given that much to do so far. Right. Yeah. Like that too. in the first half of or the first, like three quarters of the first season of Avatar, the two main plot journeys he has is that, he doesn't really he kind of wants to be whimsical and fun and isn't really ready to to take on the responsibility that he has and that at first he's really kind of arrogant or not even arrogant but just he he loves being the star and he loves being adored by everyone and vain even right yeah like yeah when when everybody's oh hey the avatar and and, and hey look at me and avatar. frankly i'm okay that like the first one we we sort of circumvented we talked about that yesterday but the other one, like, I'm pretty okay with the fact that we don't have that at all. Like, hmm. so, yeah, I agree, though. I think we have a lot of time for Aang to do more, and we don't really need him to be a top-level actor until till further down. Yeah. So, I have been... one Go for it. final thing. I had a random thought. You know, we've been talking about three seasons. And I'm going to throw this out to you all to maybe think about, and we can come back to again later, and also to the audience. What do you think about the possibility that the live action show could go longer than three seasons? Very likely. Me meaning specifically, well, two things. Oh, possibly. okay. Like spreading, spreading it out over seasons, right? Like the three seasons mm -hmm. of animated chopping up into four seasons of live action, let's say, or showing more of the after mm -hmm. the end of the series stuff mm -hmm. that did happen like canonically in the comic books yeah so, like there there is story written for yeah. what happens after from a pure if they can do it right i would absolutely love that but i'm very concerned about it and it's entirely due to the most recent season of stranger things because in oh. stranger <laughs> things they cast a number of people to all play kids of the, around the same age but because puberty happens at different ages and kids age in different ways, those kids were actually, the actors were all different ages because at the time they started shooting season one, they all looked to be around the same age. By the time of season four, they don't. And it really throws off the show, I think, in some very bad ways that some of the actors have really hit their growth spurts and others haven't. And, you know, like I... Like if they can somehow like, you know, if, you know, if you could look into the future of all those actors and be like, yeah, we know what it is. 100% sign me up. But I am very nervous about situations where, you know, 
Aang, maybe he might, you know, that that uh, Gordon might start aging in ways that makes him look older than everybody else. Or and, and you can do things with makeup and stuff. But like, I like I think it's definitely possible. But I think one of the dangers of having a bunch of kid actors over a long period of time is that the actors may well age at very different rates than the characters are supposed to. And that can be a problem. And granted, you know, it's supposed to be now a longer show, not just six months. But, you know, it can uh, become a thing. I'll say, first of all, Stranger Things, it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's hilarious. Um, I think because people age differently. Like, I remember growing up and, like, I have a friend who looks older than me than I look older than them, you know? Like, I grew 10 inches in a year. Like, and I remember people talking about, oh, the, the freshman looks so young this year. And I'm, like, like six feet tall almost. And, like, looking down at this senior who's, like, five foot six. I'm, like, okay. And, like, yeah. you know, th- like, it... I, I understand that it feels weird. And I think if there's like romances and stuff, it probably feels more weird. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I, like how people look like in terms of age, just I, I feel like mm, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. We'll, we'll not delve deep into it. But like my thoughts are kind of like non-thoughts in a way. Um, right. I will say that one thing in Stranger Things that makes it so hilarious is that they deliberately hired younger looking adults to play the older teenagers who -hmm. then remain being younger looking because it's just like sort of their bone structure or whatever. And then when the kids who were actually kids when they were cast grow up, they then look older than their younger, than they look older than their older siblings. Yes, exactly. That's the thing that kind of seems weird, but sometimes that happens, you know, like that happens. That's a thing. But um, in terms of this series, I think if they stretch it out over more years, it like within the time frame of the show, instead of it being like a six month period or something, mm-hmm. I think that will then be more credible and, and probably not such a big deal. Um, I do think though, that the stuff that happens after the end of the animated series, you could just say it happens some number of years later and then oh, everybody sure. just looks older and it's mm-hmm. like, that's not a big deal, I think. Oh, I, I more mean if, like, season two of the animated becomes two seasons of live action. No, so I know. That oh. it's fi- so that if we're finishing oh, the story of the first three se- yeah, yeah. of the three animated seasons in five, so it's five years from now yeah. is when we're having Child Ang, but now Child Ang looks like he can buy cigarettes or maybe even beer. Right, that's right. when it's going to feel weird to me. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, if it looks like somebody's aged six years because the actor has yeah. in the course of like two weeks in the show. That that happened in Lost, which we have at least two actors from Lost on this show already. There was a kid who then got written out of season two or three because he shot up like a foot. And because of however the production schedule is, they're like, no time <laughs> was supposed to have taken place between season like one and two or two and three or whatever. Yeah, And then they're like, okay, this kid looks like five years older than he did like um, literally a minute ago in the show. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And they just like, wrote him out. And, it was and like, you can, you can use act, you can use makeup and fashion and stuff like that. Like to make an adult look like a, a teenager or make a, right. like, but yeah, like, yeah. You, I mean, it, unless you bring in Danny. Peter Jackson, like making everyone look a foot smaller than they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be... I mean, right. I think the, the Hollywood standard of having adults play teenagers is just, ridiculous and always has been and like kind of hilarious but like mm-hmm. you know 
but it's, you, it's you just have do. to have you just have to have the women have bangs because that's right, like yeah, the universal signifier bangs. of being younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Give give all the boys Padawan braids. No, don't do that. Never mind. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, thank you both so much for being a part of this. To our listeners, thank you so much. As I said, there's lots of ways you can find us. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, email. Just go to our website. Would be great to have you. You know, participate in social media. Let us know what you think. Share this with others. We really want more people to find the podcast, to be part of these conversations. We're definitely going to do some feedback episodes. We'll probably talk about the few things that have come in so so far in just our upcoming episodes. We also might do a feedback episode, depending on how many we get. And again, you can become a member. It's the best way to support this podcast and my sister podcast, Star Wars Generations. Uh, $5 a month, $50 a year. You get all sorts of great bonus stuff, uh, and it really is worth it. So please think about becoming a member. Please check out all of our social media. Uh, on behalf of myself, Ricky, and Paul, thank you all so much. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel. I'm proud of you, sis. Driving cars is super hard. Yep, yep. Woo!